We'll hear argument now in number 9026, Michael Barnes versus Glenn Theater, Inc. Uh, Mr. Yule. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. In Indiana, under Indiana Code Section 3545-4-1, a person cannot leave his home naked and walk down the street. He cannot give a political speech in a park without, without being in trouble. That's correct. <laughs> he would get in trouble, Your Honor, if he walked into a public place, such as a bar or a bookstore, without his clothes on. Once inside the bar, he could not walk naked up and down the aisles in the bar, nor could he sit down at a table without his clothes on. Nor could he stand up on the bar or on a stage at the front of that public establishment without his clothes on. He can evidently sing in an opera without his clothes on. Well, our point, Your Honor, is that the plaintiffs say that if he starts dancing when he gets up on that stage or up on that bar, then he can do anything or, or do anything that can be defined as dancing. Then he's privileged under the First Amendment to appear naked, notwithstanding Indiana's public indecency statute. What about singing in an opera? Is, is, am I correct in my understanding of what Indiana law is? That there is an exception to the nudity law somehow for artistic performances? Is that, is that the, right? The Indiana Supreme Court, in order to avoid an overbreadth challenge, has held that the statute does not affect activity which cannot be restricted by the First Amendment. And the, the term that the Court used in that case was a larger form of expression. So which can, includes opera but not go-go dance. That's correct, Your Honor. Is there, where does that come from? Um, Your Honor, the Court looked at cases such as Southeastern Promotions, where this Court um, implied that the production of hair, for example, needed to include nudity. And I think drawing from that line of cases presumed that the First Amendment... The good taste clause of the Constitution is... is, uh, How does one draw that line between uh, Salome and and, and the Kitty Cat Lounge? I I don't know really. The line is drawn the same way the line is drawn any time conduct is involved, and that is whether or not the conduct communicates. If the conduct communicates, then the conduct is speech. If the conduct does not communicate, then the conduct is not speech. Communicates what? An idea? Communicates a particularized message or an idea. What about a particularized message and an idea of sensuality? That could be communicated. However, the plaintiffs in this case did not establish, did not carry their burden of proving that that was the particularized message that they were sending by their dancing. Because they were not good enough dancers? No, it didn't have anything to do with the quality of the dance, Your Honor. It had to do with Well, the could a dance communicate that? Yes, a dance could communicate that. And, but this one didn't? These dances did not. Because they were not good enough dancers? No, Your Honor, it wasn't the quality of the dancing. Go-go dancing can be good or bad, but in neither instance is it speech. Well, Mr. Ewell, are you conceding that if uh, conduct does communicate, then it can't be regulated at all under the First Amendment? No, Your Honor. Our second issue in the case is that even if this dance is speech, then it can be restricted under the First Amendment. And basically, we've drawn on two lines of cases for that argument. First, we've argued that our statute is a general criminal prohibition on public nudity that applies, that is not directed at speech and is content neutral in the sense that it is irrelevant what message might be sent by the conduct. Under the case, under last term's case of Employment Division versus Smith, which involved drug use, um, this court held that a general criminal prohibition such as that um, would be valid even as applied to Native Americans who claimed that their use of peyote was a religious practice protected by the First Amendment. But in light of the Basinger and other decisions um, of your state's courts, 
um, it does seem that um, what's left is not um, content neutral in all respects. Your Honor, I think the respondents have overconstrued Basinger when they, when they say that Basinger created some kind of a speech exception. Well, but you said today that Indiana has held that the statute doesn't apply to certain performances. Indiana has held that only if that is required by the First Amendment. Well, this, this that seems to be the position that the Court has taken. And, and in light of that, how can you take the, the position here that the statute is content neutral? The Indiana Supreme Court did not consider the possibility that this statute might be a reasonable restriction on speech. That question was not raised in the case in the Indiana Supreme Court case. So basically, Basinger is nothing more than a tautology. Basinger simply said that the public nudity statute can prohibit public nudity to the extent allowed by the First Amendment. Our argument here is that under this Court's regulability cases, Employment Division versus Smith, or the other line of cases, the reasonable time, place, and manner cases, that this activity can be restricted consistent with the First Amendment, and therefore it does not, the Basinger decision does not um, stop this Court from holding that that is true under the First Amendment. Suppose the dancers <coughs> uh, complied with the statute, uh, and, and uh, uh, would you say that then the dancing is protected by the First Amendment? Well, our second argument assumes that the dancing is speech. No, 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 no. If they... If they <coughs> If they complied with the statute and still danced, they would not be dancing nude. Uh, in that event, would the, the dancing be protected? The, I would suppose you would say no. The protection of the dance doesn't depend on whether or not the clothing is worn for the purposes of our second argument. The, the, how about the first argument? The, the, well, the clothing doesn't change the nature of the dance either. That's correct. The, 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 the clothing doesn't make the dance speech. And doesn't protect it as speech. The dancing is either speech or non-speech. Well, Justice White's question puts this point. Could you prohibit this um, performance, you don't want to call it a dance, if the women were clothed? Not on the basis of, uh, of, of the first. I thought you would, the, the, the dancing wouldn't, if clothed or unclothed, oh. there wouldn't, the message would not change or the lack of it wouldn't change. No, our position is that the dancers would still have to show that if they took off their clothes that there's an extra message. No, no, that's no. Suppose the dancers were clothed and suppose the state of Indiana or a police official attempted to prohibit that performance, a clothed performance, would the First Amendment protect the performer? No, not these performances in this case. Then you're because saying it would be permissible to pass a statute prohibiting tap dancing? Unless tap dancing were shown to be speech under the First Amendment, that's correct. Well, but under your view, it doesn't convey any particular message, so it, uh, you could prohibit it. That's correct, Your Honor. Well, you might not be able to pro prohibit under some, under some other provision of the Constitution. You just say it wouldn't be protected by the First Amendment. That's correct. Obviously, due process and equal protection concerns would be... Could so. the state prohibit uh, rock music? Your Honor, this Court found in the Ward case that rock music is speech under the First Amendment. So, no, it could not. But, well, but how is it that music is protected but dance is not? Music is different from explain that. Music is different from dance in that the very nature of the medium is communicative. But by the definition of dance that's been submitted by the you think some of the rock music played in the Ward case um, conveyed a message. Um, um, an artistic message. An artistic message. An artistic message. Yes, Your Honor. 
um, whereas the, not all dance conveys an artistic message. Well, I suggest not all music does either. That may be a case-by-case determination, and this Court hasn't addressed that except in Ward to say that music in general is communicative and therefore is speech under the First Amendment. Well, in dance in general might be communicative under that test, might it not? We would resist that, Your Honor, because dance can be so broadly defined as to include perhaps what I'm doing here today. It's, dance can be song any... Song and dance. Well, not that kind of song and dance. <laughs> the, the, the respondents have suggested that, a, that, a, that a, a production in which nudes simply stand nude on a stage would be dance, or that if someone were to simply... Rhythm is not important to the definition of the dance. Um, improvisation can be dance, according to the respondents. Any movement can be defined as dance. And if this court were to hold that all dance, as it's defined there, is speech, then the First Amendment would be trivialized to include any kind of movement or motion that expresses some kind of emotion. Why, why, what, what, what are you arguing about dance for? Dance was not prohibited here, was it? That's correct. She, the, these people could have danced to their heart's content, so long as they had clothes on. Or, That's correct. And our second argument is, assumes, arguendo, that the dance is speech, and argues that even if it is speech, that we can protect it under the statute, because that's correct. The statute doesn't ban dancing. It doesn't ban performances. It simply requires that any time a person in Indiana appears in public, that vital areas of the body be covered. And for that reason, this is the type of general criminal prohibition that this court, such as the one in Employment Division versus Smith, held can be applied consistent with the First Amendment, notwithstanding a claim that the conduct at issue is protected is, is speech or religious practice under the First Amendment. Mr. Ewell, uh, <clears throat> I'm interested in one of your answers to Justice Kennedy. <clears throat> Are we dealing with obscenity here? No, Your Honor. There has never been a contention in this case that the dancing at issue is obscene. So this, the state stands by its concession that we are not dealing with obscenity? That's correct, Your Honor. If, if we were to find that um, an emotional communication as opposed to a particularized message were protectable, what would you then say to the argument on the other side uh, that they simply cannot communicate the message in any other way except by nude dancing? I think what they're saying, in effect, is that some kind of a medium is the message argument. If the medium is the message, Your Honor, then it's our contention that the nudity is not an essential part of that particular medium. The dance can be communicated just as effectively, or almost as effectively, with pasties and g-strings covering the vital parts of the body that are at issue under the statute. And it's our contention that um, alternative means of communication are open to these plaintiffs, and that the mere requirement of, of that the certain parts of the body be covered is not essential to their communication. So you're saying they cannot define their activity by saying the medium and the message are identical and thereby uh, evade... Uh, the possibility of otherwise permissible First Amendment regulation. That's correct, Your Honor. In one sense, their claim that, that nudity is an inherent part of their dance is no different than someone who might be putting on a play and decide that, that the use of marijuana during the play is also protected because it's connected with this protected play. I think the court would immediately reject that argument out of hand, that that kind of criminal conduct, even though it's in the context of a, of a protected production, can be criminalized by a state. I suppose uh, you, you say that even, even if dancing nude uh, might communicate a different message than, than complying with the statute, uh, these particular dancers have never claimed or indicated that they were, had any such message. 
deliver, I gather. That's correct. One of the respondents in this case submitted an affidavit where she said that she intended to communicate and to entertain, and then she stopped and didn't tell us what she intended to communicate or entertain. And that respondent, Respondent Sutro, also failed to submit any other evidence of the type of dancing that she wanted to perform. She did not submit a videotape, as did some of the respondents, nor did she even dis, um, submit to the court a, a verbal or written description of the dancing that she wished to perform. Would the case really be different if the dancer had a sign-up the, on the stage that said she was a member of a nudist colony and she believes it's healthy for people to attend nudist colonies and some message with it, and then said, I'll illustrate to you how nice it is to be nude or something? Would that be a different case? No, Your Honor, that would be no different than the case in uh, Florida of the sunbathers who claimed that they wanted to bathe out on the beach um, and but, but show... It's different in the sense that you have a particularized message and the dance is supposed to dramatize this message that she's also got a sign stating it. In terms of the particularized message, then it would be a different case. You would well. say that one would be protected, but, uh, but as long as they don't put such signs up, it's unprotected. It would be speech. Now, whether it would be protected, then, is the question of whether the state can regulate it. And it would be our position that under this statute, we can still require her to wear the minimal covering, because, regardless of the fact that it's speech. And why is that? <clears throat> well, it's either because of the application of Employment Division versus Smith, because this is a general criminal statute, or it's by application of the reasonable time, place, and manner test that this Court has applied in other contexts. Reasonable time, place, and manner being there's no reasonable time, place, or manner. <laughs> or this kind Your of Honor, case. reasonable place in that the statute is limited to a public place. Okay. And the Indiana courts have very, care very carefully defined public place. Reasonable manner in that this is a restriction simply on the manner of appearing, that is, that there are certain parts of the body that need to be covered. And it's our position that that is sufficiently narrowly tailored, just as the clothing on the dancers is narrowly tailored, to accomplish the state's interests in prohibiting public nudity. How about the O'Brien test? Well, this Court has found in, in the Clark case, the Court indicated that the O'Brien test is really no different than the reasonable time, place, and manner test. We set them out separately in our brief, but basically it's the same test. You look for a substantial government interest that is forwarded by the statute in a manner that leaves open alternative means of communication. Um, and I may not have articulated O'Brien precisely, but I think the Court indicated in Clark that they're basically the same test. Mr. Uhl, if there were a videotape of these performances, could the state ban outright the sale of the tape? No, Your Honor, because the videotape would not be live conduct. And the statute only goes to, and our First Amendment argument only applies to live conduct as opposed to depiction. Yes, I'm asking you whether a statute could withstand a First Amendment Test if it tried to ban sale of the videotape of the performance? No, Your Honor, not unless the videotape were obscene. And uh, why is that? Why can you ban the real thing but not the uh, videotape of it? This Court has always made a distinction between depictions of conduct and live conduct itself. And I think that's because live conduct is something that is traditionally subject to state regulation and is something that, that more vividly presents the concerns that are, that are at interest when the state try, it legislates in this particular area. So the Court has always said that live conduct is to be treated differently. Are you saying that this is sexually explicit conduct and that that's a, a category that we can use to sustain the law? We are not arguing that, it, that it's a special category that therefore is excluded from the First Amendment. However, I believe there is some support for the proposition that because this is sexually explicit speech, that it may deserve a lesser level 
in a balancing test. And you have the LaRue case. Anything else? Um, not off the top of my head, Your Honor. There's another aspect of it that is also falls into that kind of category, and that is the commercial nature of the speech. We've never argued here that because this is commercial-type speech that it therefore falls into the category of advertising. But that doesn't change the fact that at least one of the respondents said that the, the only reason that she dances nude is in order to make more money. And we think that in balancing the impact of this statute against the rights of these women to, to engage in this kind of conduct, the court can take into account the fact that it's, this is a speech that's done largely for a commercial purpose. Well, that's why Dickens wrote his books, too. Well, Your Honor, it's different. Dickens wrote his book largely because he needed income, not only because he needed income. And there's a, a, there's a, there's a distinction there to be made. Are you you're sure about that? <laughs> I'm sure what Darlene Miller's intent was, Your Honor, and that was to make money. Yes, but your Supreme Court distinguishes between the opera singer and this dancer, and I suppose the opera singer wants to make money, too. That's true, although, again, the opera singer is in the position where that's not the only thing that she wants to do, but that the money is an important part of it. So we can't distinguish this just on the fact that she's making money. And are all the per How many performers are involved in this litigation? In this litigation, I think there are three dancers who are actually Did all parties. three of them say that was their only motive? No, Your Honor. Only, only Darlene Miller did. Um, we can infer, though, that Gail Sutro, who danced at the Chippewa Bookstore, had a commercial motive as well, because there's evidence in the record that the reason she was dancing at the Chippewa Bookstore was to promote a movie that was playing at the drive-in next door. Yeah, but she may not have made the movie only to make money. That's true, Your Honor, and we didn't ban the movie. We were only banning her coming in and promoting it nude. Are you really confident that we could make uh, the distinction between uh, dancing, which is part of a greater form of artistic expression, as opposed to dancing that is not artistic expression? Uh, who's to do this? The legislature to do this? Or are we to do it or both of a joint venture? Your Honor, as in the case of obscenity, where one of the issues is, is the artistic value of the work, trial judges and trial juries make the distinction under, in criminal prosecutions under this statute. Just as in an well, but we, we have no settled jurisprudence. We would be uh, really striking out in a very new direction, would we not? Well, Your Honor, there's, ever since Miller versus California, juries have been determining whether works that are charged to be obscene have artistic value. So we believe that it's simply application of the same kind of test in this context. I'd like to go through the reasonable time, place, and manner test just to make sure that all three elements of that have been presented here. The, as I've said, this is a place restriction because it is limited to public places, and it is a manner restriction because it's a restriction on the manner of dancing, that is, nude or not nude. In that way, it's just like the rock music situation in the Ward case, where this court held that the volume restrictions on that rock music were a manner restriction on it. I'm sh I have no doubt that the rock musicians would have said that the full impact of their music was um, lessened by the restrictions on the volume there. And the dancers here may very well say that the full impact of their dancing is lessened by the requirement of clothes, but that does not change the fact that this is a manner restriction. The three elements of a reasonable time, place, and manner restriction are met here. 
First, the statute is content neutral. That is, it is justified without reference to the content of the speech. In fact, the statute applies regardless of whether there's speech involved, whether this is simply someone walking through the park or whether it's someone who's giving a political speech. The secondary, the, the, the non-content concerns here are very important. The most important is the traditional requirement in our society that certain body parts be covered in public. This goes back to the common law offense of public indecency and can be traced even further back in Western culture. Excuse me, I, I should have jumped in earlier, I guess. I, I, I wish we could clarify exactly what the Supreme Court has said about, uh, about uh, nude dancing in the course of a theatrical production. Because that does bear upon whether it's content neutral. I mean, as I understand the law in Indiana, it, it isn't content neutral. You can dance nude, but only in certain, uh, I don't know, uh, high-tone kinds of productions. Is that, is that the test? What? As of now, the, all, the, all the Supreme Court has done in Indiana is said that the statute isn't overbroad. And the reason the statute is not overbroad is because we assume, and I'm reading this in, we assume that the First Amendment puts limits on our ability to ban nudity. And the, the way that assumption was stated in the Basinger case was, we assume that not nudity must be tolerated in certain larger forms of expression. Larger? Larger forms of expression. Some larger form of expression meriting protection. Meriting protection. But are but you again, defining the larger form of expression by a particularized message? Yes, Your Honor. So if the particularized message distinction is not upheld, then you have no way of drawing the line between the higher and lower form. That may very, very well may be true. Mm. But if the court holds that, then we still believe that this is a reasonable regulation upon the dancing. Did I adequately explain the Basinger decision, Your Honor, because I think that is important. I, I gather you're saying that they don't really mean it, that they're just uh, saying... Uh, uh, we're imposing that limitation because we think the Constitution requires that limitation, and if the Constitution doesn't, then there isn't even that limitation on the statute. Is that your interpretation of the case? That's correct, Your Honor. The second element of the reasonable time, place, and manner restriction is whether the statute is sufficiently narrowly tailored. The statute's definition of nudity is extremely narrow and carefully defined. Furthermore, the Indiana courts have carefully defined the term public place, for example, a situation where a single viewer goes into a booth and views a single dancer through a glass plate and closes the door behind him to do so, the Indiana, Supreme, the Indiana courts have said that that is not a public place under the statute. However, what we have in this case in the Chippewa bookstore is a ring of booths around a stage where a multitude of customers can watch the same dancers at the same time. What's the state interest in that distinction? If you have one customer, it's okay. If you have ten, it's bad. Well, the state interest, Your Honor, is that the, the, that the more this becomes an, an, an audience participation kind of a, a situation, that the state's interest in regulating that kind of conduct increases. Why do they call this place a bookstore? <laughs> As I understand it, Your Honor, it is, it is also an adult bookstore. That is, it, it sells pornographic materials in addition to offering this kind of booth entertainment. Mr. Ewell, I, I'm sorry to get out of sequence here, but I'd like to go back to a Basinger point, lest I forget it. And it's a question about the significance of Basinger in relation to what this court may hold. If we do not sustain a distinction based on particularized message, so that we, we were to hold that the communication of some emotional content were sufficient to qualify for First Amendment scrutiny, 
Would the effect of Basinger be that this conduct would be allowed and that would be the end of the case? No, Your Honor. I think Basinger would then very much be um, cut back, because if this Court were also to hold, as we've urged in our second argument, that we can still restrict this activity consistent with the First Amendment, then we can still do that. So basically it would still be a tautology, as you put it. That's correct. That's correct. The plaintiffs, back to narrowly tailored, the plaintiffs have argued that we're required to carve out an exception to this statute based on the presence of consenting adults. However, we've argued that that's not required. First of all, that would be basically imposing a least restrictive means test, which this Court has never required. Second, consent is irrelevant, as in other public offenses such as prostitution or drug use. Third, the concerns that the state is after in this particular kind of statute are even more prevalent at this type of business than in other type of businesses. Finally, the statute does leave open alternative forms of expression, as I've argued previously. The dancers have never asserted credibly that they that their message is, is substantially changed or inhibited by the requirement that they wear pasties and g-strings. Therefore, we would we are asking that the Seventh Circuit decision in this case invalidating the statute as applied be reversed. I would like to reserve the balance of my time for rebuttal, Mr. Chief Justice. Very well, Mr. Yule. Uh, Mr. Ennis, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. Nude dancing is sufficiently expressive to at least trigger First Amendment analysis for two independent reasons. First, nude dancing is expressive because performance dance is inherently expressive of emotions and ideas. And second, because nude dancing communicates a particularized message of sensuality and eroticism. First, performance dance, like music, is one of the oldest forms of human communication and is inherently expressive of emotions and ideas. In Ward, this court found that music is expressive without bothering to to determine whether the music at issue did or did not communicate a particularized message. The particularized message test applies only to conduct that is not ordinarily expressive, such as flag burning. Even that kind of conduct can be found expressive if, in context, it communicates a particularized message. But the Court has never used that test to determine whether marching or picketing or other traditionally uh, considered expressive forms of activity are expressive or not. The Court's decisions make clear that if expressive, if conduct is otherwise expressive and protected by the First Amendment, the fact that the conduct involves nudity does not shed that protection. For example, Mr. Ennis, uh, would you concede that a state ban on nudity on the uh, public thoroughfares and sidewalks is constitutional? Your Honor, I think it would trigger First Amendment analysis if it's intended to be expressive, but the state probably could regulate it because of well, the captive so, audience. Well, supposing they regulate it by prohibiting it. They could probably prohibit it because of the captive audience problem or exposure to children. Just as in Sable, the Court said that although indecent speech is constitutionally protected, it can nevertheless be re- regulated. So the vice in this statute as applied to your client is that it takes it off the sidewalks and thoroughfares and regulates activity in, in a private 
Well, it is effectively a private place. It's called a public place, but it's a private building on private property that is closed. What what if your client had decided to perform a dance, the same dance, in a public park in in, in Indiana? I think the state could could prohibit that because of the concerns, as in Sable, of uh, a captive audience being forced to see a message they do not want to see or the possibility of children being present. But what Sable makes clear is the state, in order to serve those interests, cannot categorically ban access to such speech by consenting adults, and that's all that is at issue in this case. Well, were children barred from all of these places? Absolutely. There's no dispute. That's stipulated that this was only consenting adults. Uh, IDs are checked at the door. Uh, you, you began by using the term, was it dance performance? Performance dance. By that I mean dance which is intended as a performance in front of an audience, to distinguish that from recreational dance or dancing at home in your own room. Suppose someone wanted to increase business at the car wash uh, or in in a bar, and they they hired a woman. So now you sit in this glass case, and this is an adults-only car wash. Uh, (laughs) You sit sit in this glass glass case and attract the customers. Is, Is that permitted? Your Honor, I think it would, if it was intended as expressive activity, if it was performance dance. No, it's just, just, just what I said. The employer says, this is the job, you sit up there. I think that that would trigger First Amendment analysis. Whether the state could ban it or not would depend on uh, the state's justifications. Well, suppose he said, I've heard the arguments in the Supreme Court and you have to dance. And she said, I can't dance. He said, just wander around when the music starts to play. <laughs> well, Your Honor. I mean, that's, that's, that's the point, isn't it? It's, it? it's a question of what is, what is performance dance? What is it? What is performance dance is a question in this case. The main way that that is answered, if you look at the material cited in the briefs, Encyclopedia Britannica, others, is where there is an intention to perform in front of an audience through dancing. That, the district court found as a fact, and that was not disputed here, that all of these respondents did intend to dance as communication and as expression. That's a factual finding that's... Well, even, a, even objectively, I suppose you would say that any fool would say that there was a performance dance here because there was dancing in front of people. Yes, that's correct, Your Honor. Whether they intended to or not. Well, I think that's probably correct, Your Honor, but they did intend to. Gail Sutro's affidavit, for example, states that she is uh, actually a professional dancer who has gone to a recognized dance academy, has a degree in both ballet and erotic dance. Mr. Ennis, nobody is stopping her from dancing. Uh, Suppose you win this point. Dancing is is expression. They they have not stopped her from dancing. They have stopped her from going about nude, whether dancing or doing anything else. Just as I suppose they have murder laws in Indiana, which prevent people from killing people, whether in the course of dancing or not. Now, would, would, would one have to analyze the Indiana murder law as, a, 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 as a valid or invalid under the First Amendment if the murder happens to be performed in the course of a public performance dance? Would we have to consider that a First Amendment case? Let, let me turn directly to that, Justice Scalia. That, that depends on the state's justifications, assuming this is expressive activity. This statute cannot no, be... So your answer to my last question is yes, it does turn on the state's justifications. That's a First Amendment case if you kill somebody in the course of if, dancing. If someone uses peyote or commits a murder for the purpose of commu- communi- communicating for expressive activity, that would trigger First Amendment analysis. Right. But the state could nevertheless prohibit it. And here's why, Your Honor. This statute is not content neutral for two independent reasons. First, the application of this statute to nude dancing is related to expression. 
within the meaning of O'Brien. And second, the statute, as construed in Basinger, exempts other expressive activity precisely because of its artistic or expressive content or value, and thus under Mosley and Raglan cannot be deemed a content-based statute. First, the statute here, Mr. Hess, isn't addressed to dancing at all. It's, a, it's addressed to public nudity. The statute in, in O'Brien uh, was not, the statute in uh, many of the cases, like the flag-burning cases, was not addressed to expressive activity on its face it was expressed only to the conduct of burning or mutilating the flag. But the equivalent here would be addressing it to dancing. In the flag-burning case, the equivalent to, to what happened here would be a statute that, that banned burning anything in the street, a flag or anything else. And then people would have come in and said, well, you know, it's, it's a ban on expression because what I wanted to burn was a flag. And I think we would have said in the flag case, in fact, I think we did say in dictum that if, if it was that kind of a statute, it would be a totally different question. And it's that kind of a statute you have Justice here. It's Scalia. not nude dancing. It's not dancing. It's nudity, period. Justice Scalia, the, the Court's opinion in O'Brien and all the flag-burning cases uses the same analysis. It says, the state must justify the application of an otherwise content-neutral statute to expressive activity for reasons unrelated to expression. In this case, you can look at the state's briefs. The state has acknowledged its fear that nude dancing is, quote, likely to inspire patrons to solicit sex from performers or contemplate rape or adultery. The state has admitted it has concerns about the effect of nude dancing on attitudes toward women and has argued that it should be free to ban nude dancing because it, quote, encourages activities which break down family structure and advocates adultery, licentiousness, prostitution, and crime. As Justice O'Connor's opinion in the Booz v. Berry case makes clear, these justifications are related to expression because they focus on the direct impact of speech on its audience, and they are concerned with listeners' reactions. Therefore, this cannot be considered a content-neutral statute, and that's why it is distinguished well, from the... Well, 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 what if the dancer wanted to do kind of an Annie Oakley dance in the course of which she fired off a revolver? at various targets around the room. Yes. And uh, the state says that's a violation of our law. You can't fire a revolver without a permit. You can't do it in this kind of place. And the, and the dancer says, well, I can't really get across the Annie Oakley message without firing off the gun. Oh, the, the state then says, well, we have real fears that if you do it in a crowded adult bookstore, this you might hurt somebody. That certainly is talking about the application right there to the bookstore. But it does not depend upon the listener's reactions to the speech. That's like s setting a fire. Perhaps burning a flag in an enclosed public building might be bannable because of the, the state's independent interest in fire safety. It is unrelated to expression. The state, as in O'Brien, has an interest in applying that statute to this expressive activity that is completely unrelated to the expressive activity. Well, why, Here, why, why isn't the state's interest in banning public nudity uh, unrelated to expressive activity? It, it, do, it doesn't care whether expression takes place or not. The state has told us that it does well, care. The state has told us what Well, let's, let's assume that the state has said hypothetically, we don't care <clears throat> what are the audience's reactions. We just don't think public nudity anywhere is a good idea. Well, Your Honor, that would be a different case. But so that, that so is, the that, state didn't advance quite the right justification here? No, is that your position? No, it's, that's not my position, Justice Rehnquist. There are two reasons why this is a content-based statute. 
The first is the state did advance reasons, and the reasons it advances are related to expression. The second, though, is the Basinger construction point. In Basinger, the Indiana Supreme Court construed this statute so that it would permit some nude dancing in public and prohibit other nude dancing in public based solely on the state's subjective determination of whether that nude dancing had sufficient expressive value or artistic content. But before, before you get there, and I think it's an important point, point, but just on the last part about being related to expression, what about a noise statute? I think, Your Honor, the... Not related to expression? I think the noise point, for example, in, in your opinion for the court in Ward, the court found that controlling volume there was unrelated to the expression because it applied uh, no matter who was expressing the message and regardless of the state's agreement or disagreement with the views or, or the listener's reaction to them. Well, why couldn't you say the same thing about nudity? You can't say that here, certainly after the Basinger construction, because the court in Basinger makes clear that some nude dancing is permitted and others is prohibited, prohibited based on the state's evaluation of its expressive value or artistic merit. That's exactly what the, the, the state has argued over and over again before this court. But there's no difference in, uh, bet between that kind of dancing and the dancing in this case based on the effect on the audience, is there? I'm sorry, Justice White, I did not understand that question. Well, a while ago you were talking about the effect on the audience. Yes. Do you think there's any difference between, say, opera and uh, the, uh, uh, the dancing in this case in terms of the effect on the audience? The state seems to feel there is. The state I seems thought you to were just talking about its idea of the artistic value rather than the effect on the audience. The state seems to feel that if new dancing is artistic, it has one effect on the audience and does not incite the audience to uh, prostitution, rape, or adultery, but that if new dancing is not artistic, it does have that effect on well, the I audience. I suppose there are some things the state can prohibit if, uh, even in, uh, just because it has an effect on the audience. What about shouting fire in a crowded room? Your Honor, I think that there are certainly some categorical exceptions to otherwise First Amendment protection that the state could argue here. They have not. The state's justifications here, they've said over and over again in their briefs. And in fact, in the oral well, argument... Well, you just recited that the state thought that, 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 that uh, nude dancing would have some unsatisfactory effects on the audience. And you say that's not permissible because uh, that means it's really expressive. It means that it is a content-based Well, what about fire? Statute. Fire in a theater. Fire in a theater well, has an effect regardless of whether the listeners agree well, or disagree depends, with the exactly message. on what you say. Pardon me, Your Honor? It depends exactly on what you said. You said fire rather than no fire. Your Honor, I think that there are... The distinction is that here what the state is concerned about is that the consenting adults in the audience will agree with this message. We'll, we'll, we'll follow what they take the message to be, and we'll go out and have bad attitudes about women or commit prostitution, rape, or adultery. It depends upon the state, the, the listeners' reactions of being persuaded by the message that the state wants to suppress. That is not true in the shouting fire in the theater context. It doesn't matter whether the people in the theater think there's really a fire or not. There's a stampede and people get hurt. That's a very different case. Now, I think that Mosley and Raglan, which are the type of cases and statutes discussed earlier, make very clear that if a statute on its face or as construed exempts some expressive activity because of its content, then that statute must be deemed a content-based statute. 
Mr. Ennis, what language in, in I've been looking at Basinger, and, and I, it really does seem to me that all the Indiana court is saying is responding to an overbreadth argument. Uh, the, uh, the, the argument was that this, uh, this statute would cover such things as, uh, um, as the play hair, which, which can't constitutionally be covered, and, and the Indiana Supreme Court just seemed to say, well, if it can't constitutionally be covered, it's not covered by the statute. Is, is, and, and you read that as a discrimination by the state on the basis of subject matter? I, unless there's more explicit language in that opinion that I don't see. That's all that I read into it. Your Honor, the, the opinion has the language you've discussed and no more. The way the state has described Basinger in the Seventh Circuit and also here is that what Basinger did was to say that New dancing that has artistic content is not within the statute, and new dancing without artistic content is. If well, you they, should, they we, shouldn't have described it that way. Uh, are we to accept? No, they should not, but that is the state's justification for the statute. We are dealing with it with, a, with an Indiana Supreme Court opinion, and I suppose the Indiana Supreme Court can speak for itself. The it's not Gen governed by what the Attorney General recharacterizes it as. Well, certainly, for purposes of this case, Your Honor, the Attorney General has represented what the state's interests are whether accurately or inaccurately. Those are the state's interests for purpose of this case. And they t if you look at pages 10, 24 through 25 of the state's brief, they say over and over again that what Basinger means is if the dancing is artistic, it's not covered by the statute. If it's not artistic, it is prohibited by the statute. In its oral argument in the Seventh Circuit, the state repeated this point over and over again. Now. That brings me to another point, and that is we've been talking about whether there are justifications for this statute or not. It is our position that the state has waived any right to attempt to justify application of this statute to respondents' dancing if this court determines that that dancing is sufficiently expressive to trigger First Amendment analysis. All through the Seventh Circuit, in five years of litigation, two levels at the trial court and two levels in the Supreme Court, the state never once attempted to justify application of this statute on the ground that it's a neutral statute of general applicability or it's content neutral or written analysis. None of those justifications whatsoever. In fact, in oral argument in the Seventh Circuit, uh, Mr. Ewell stood up and said, we don't have to try to justify this statute, and we're not going to, because our position is simply that this dancing doesn't even trigger First Amendment analysis. Even in its cert petition to this court, the court, this state does not squarely act, argue that this statute can be justified. So we could leave, uh, if we agreed with you on the, your first argument, uh, I suppose we just leave those other issues open. I think that's correct, Your Honor. I think that uh, this, this court could rule that uh, the respondent's dancing is sufficiently expressive to trigger First Amendment analysis and then rule that, as Judge Posner concurring and Judge Easterbrook dissenting, indicated that the state has waived any justification for applying that the statute to these respondents. Mr. Ennis, the second question presented in the petition for certiorari is, is if nude dancing is speech, whether Indiana's general public and decent laws and unconstitutional is applied to such dancing, that surely bring, raises the justification issues. Well, it, it does it or does it not, do you think? I think it's a close question, Your Honor, to be quite candid. You think don't, if you look at their brief. Well, I, I'm, I look at the question. Yeah, the question seems, it's, it's ambiguous in my mind. It could be construed that way or could not. My main point is that all the way through the Seventh Circuit, the state didn't attempt to make such a justification. And they don't in the content of their brief. Did you raise that point in your uh, brief in opposition to certiorari? 
No, the reason it was not raised in opposition is that it was not our understanding that the state had raised that point, since the text of their brief does not argue Renton, does not argue Clark. Well, you didn't have the text of the brief before you at the time you filed the brief. Excuse me, I mean the text of the cert petition. Excuse me, Your Honor. But let me say this, though, that even if the state is deemed to have raised that issue for the first time in its question presented in the cert petition, there is no dispute that the state never attempted to justify this statute below. It is the state's burden to justify application of a statute to expressive activity. That might have been a consideration to be brought before us in considering the petition for certiorari. But you know our rule in our Oklahoma City against Tuttle. Anything that's non-jurisdictional that isn't brought up in the brief in opposition is waived by you. I know the rule, Your Honor. Rule 15 of this Court says that the Court has discretion to deem it waived if it is not raised in the brief in opposition to the petition. And of course the Court would have discretion to do that. It would also have discretion in the circumstances of this case to say the issue is too important to be decided on such a sketchy record as we have here. Well, you don't think the opinions of the Court of Appeals are sketchy, do you? No, I don't think the opinions of the Court of Appeals are sketchy. But we didn't know until the state's main brief in this case what the state interests are to justify regulation of respondents' new dancing. They've posited now their interests. They are content-based interests because they depend upon the impact of the speech on the audience. Let me turn for a minute to a point that the state did not raise in its oral argument but did raise in its main brief here, their argument that this statute can really be justified as a Renton-type statute aimed only at secondary effects. I think that that argument is totally inapplicable here for two reasons. First, the ordinance in Renton, by its terms, focused only on secondary effects of certain specified businesses and did not prohibit or criminalize any expressive activity whatsoever. This statute, by its terms, does not even mention secondary effects, has nothing to do with businesses of any type, and does criminalize and prohibit expressive activity. Second, controlling secondary effects was the actual purpose in Renton. Here, as the state candidly acknowledges in its brief, it is only a, quote, possible hypothetical purpose. In Renton, it was clear that the government was actually concerned with secondary effects and had reviewed studies and extensive evidence about that problem. Here, the state does not claim that the legislature was actually concerned about secondary effects or reviewed any evidence. And, in fact, it is highly implausible that the secondary effects associated with adult businesses was a problem or a concern when this statute was first enacted in 1881. Furthermore, although the constitutionality of this statute has been before the Indiana Supreme Court on numerous occasions, the Indiana Supreme Court has never even hinted that the statute aims at secondary effects. Finally, the state's briefs here make crystal clear that the interests the state is advancing focus on the impact of this speech on its audience, on the listener's reactions. Accordingly, this is a primary effects case, not a secondary effects case. One point I think is worth mentioning is that even if this decision is affirmed, 
the state of Indiana would be left with ample authority to regulate or perhaps prohibit nude dancing in a constitutional manner. The state could certainly prohibit all obscene dancing, whether in public or in private. It could <coughs> the state could certainly prohibit all obscene nude dancing. Uh, that would not be affected by affirmance here. The state could certainly, under the 21st Amendment, prohibit dancing where alcohol is served, whether the dancers are nude or clothed. The state could certainly regulate nude dancing under the Sable analysis in truly public places before unconsenting adults, captive audiences, or children. And finally, if secondary effects were in fact a problem, the state under Renton could even zone, so long as it was a true zoning ordinance and was not a prohibition of a category of speech. But subject to that time, place, and manner uh, regulation, every, every community in Indiana would, would have to have uh, some new dancing if, if, uh, if an entrepreneur wanted to provide it. You, you'd have to set aside a part of the community for new dancing. Yes, Your Honor. I think that's the Constitution exactly, requires this. I think that's, what this, that's what's implicit in the Court's decisions in Miller and Sable. Miller and Sable go to great, great careful lengths of attempting to decide what forms of sexual conduct the state can prohibit and what it cannot. This is, in effect, an end run about, around Miller and Sable because the state has conceded that this new dancing is not obscene. As the Jenkins versus Georgia and other cases in this Court make clear, the mere fact of nudity uh, does not equate with obscenity. But here, what the state is trying to do is, without meeting the detailed requirements of the Miller test or the Sable test, nonetheless to categorically ban and eliminate an entire category of speech. This is very different. The artistic point here is very different from the artistic point in Miller. Miller, in Miller was not action. Miller was literature. Right, but the, the court's opinion in Miller, I think, has been understood to apply to uh, live conduct and performance as well as to literature. In Miller, the third prong of the test, of course, is an artistic prong test. But that judgment is only reached once the court has already found that the speech is patently offensive and appeals to a prurient interest in sex and is therefore otherwise unprotected by the First Amendment. The artistic merit test in, in Miller comes in to save and give protection to speech that is otherwise unprotected. Here, the state, as Justice Kennedy's question suggests, would be striking out on very new ground indeed. Here, the state would be saying that speech is only protected to begin with if it has artistic merit. As this Court said in Hannigan, unanimously, what to one man is trash may to others have fleeting or even enduring values, and it is not the business of the state to determine which is trash and which is valuable. The First Amendment leaves that judgment to the individual. In fact, as Justice Harlan wrote in Cohen versus California, one man's lyric is another's vulgarity. And as Justice Harlan said, it is precisely because governments cannot make principal decisions between those kinds of communications that the First Amendment leaves judgments in matters of taste to the individual. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Ennis. Mr. Ewell, do you have rebuttal? You have four minutes remaining. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. We believe the second issue presented in the petition is properly before the Court for three reasons. First, as Chief Justice Rehnquist pointed out, the issue was clearly raised in our petition for certiorari, and there was no suggestion of waiver in the respondents' briefs in opposition. Second, the issue was fully decided by all of the judges of the Seventh Circuit below. 
Only one concurring judge, after addressing the merits, suggested that the issue may have been waived, but he too joined the majority opinion in which the Court clearly applied but found lacking our statute under the reasonable time, place, and manner test. And finally, we believe the issue is fairly included within the first issue that's presented, that a resolution of the First Amendment issue in this case would be unsatisfactory if the Court simply stopped at a determination of whether this activity is speech without also determining whether or not it's um, regulable under this statute. So we believe the question is fairly before the Court. May I ask on that? Judge Posner said that both the state's highest court and, and the law enforcement officials concurred in interpreting the statute not as a blanket prohibition of public nudity. Is that, do you still think it is not a blanket prohibition of public nudity, or do you now take the position it is a blanket prohibition? For the purposes of our first argument... No, you, 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 you're going to give me alternative answers? Yes, Your Honor. We've made alternative arguments here. For the purpose Have you ever before argued that it's a blanket prohibition of public nudity, including operas and the like? No, Your Honor. You are, but you are making that argument now? Yes, Your Honor. And we believe the statute stands under that argument. You believe that your opponent reasonably should have anticipated that argument when he filed his brief in opposition to your cert petition? Yes, Your Honor, because the Seventh Circuit clearly went ahead and addressed that issue. And then in our second issue in the cert petition, we clearly raised that issue, whether or not this statute is a valid, the public nudity statute is a valid. You don't, in your second question, you don't say a word about it being a blanket prohibition of public nudity. I don't remember the exact frame, but I believe it said that whether the statute is a valid regulation. And I believe the text of our cert petition clearly indicates How should I interpret the statute as I face this case, as a blanket prohibition or as a partial prohibition? As a blanket prohibition, Your Honor. As we suspected, the respondents have argued here today that basically any conduct anywhere that that resembles dance is speech. The burden is then on the state to justify our regulation of that conduct, even if it's in a window at a car wash, such as Justice Kennedy suggested, or out in a public park. I don't think this Court has ever held that a state is required to come in with a common law crime that was in existence many, many years before the Constitution and the First Amendment were adopted and justify that statute as applied to live conduct. There's been quite a bit of discussion during Mr. Ennis's argument of the state's interest in this case, and we'll confess a handicap here, and that is that Indiana does not record legislative history. Therefore, to some extent, when the Attorney General's Office or even the Indiana Supreme Court suggests what the state's interests are in, in upholding this statute, the, the legislative intent is simply inferred there. There is no clear record of, of legislative intent in this statute. But again, we go back to the fact that this is a common law offense that involves traditional notions in our culture of what constitutes public decency in a public place. And when it, when it comes down to the fine-tuning, what we find is not that the defendant, that the respondents have any problem with the statute or its goals, but simply they disagree with our definition of what is a public place. And that's a matter for the state courts and the legislature to determine, and as long as that is a reasonable determination that is reasonably related to the goals of the statute, then the First Amendment does not prohibit the state of Indiana from enforcing the statute. Therefore, again, we would ask that the Seventh Circuit's um, invalidating of the statute be reversed and that the district court be affirmed. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Yule. The case is submitted.